This is the official podcast for casual anime fanatics. On today's episode, we are diving deep into My Hero Academia Season 6, Episode 4, titled Inheritance. Hello anime fans and welcome to That Anime Podcast for casual anime fanatics where we talk all things anime in a fun and uncensored fashion for your listening pleasure. I'm your host Jordo and today is a first for That Anime Podcast. This is a solo cast today and by that I mean neither one of my brothers will be joining me on today's podcast. We had some scheduling issues, I wasn't able to record on some days, my brothers weren't able to record on some days. And so I'm doing this one on my own this week, so we will see how it goes. Um, So go easy on me. This is my first time ever recording by myself. I know that a lot of people that podcast do this. However, I'm used to having a conversation when I podcast, so we'll see how this goes. Um, If this is your first time listening, yeah, please know that normally my brothers join me on this. Um, It's not usually a monologue or solo cast podcast, but welcome. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and... If it turns out that you do love listening, follow us on Instagram, That Anime Podcast, and you can even take your support of our podcast to the highest of levels by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify, or wherever it is that your heart likes to listen to. I should say your ears. I don't have any anime news, so let's just dive right in. Episode four of season six of My Hero Academia, the episode is titled Inheritance. Now. Thinking about why this episode is titled Inheritance, nothing jumps out at me. I guess it would have to be talking about Shigaraki because he's inheriting... I guess, yeah, it's talking about Shigaraki, um, a.k.a. Tomura, a.k.a. they were calling him Tenko, his family, so that must be a nickname. But he inherits the power of one for all. Sorry, all for one. I'm going to mix those up throughout this. He inherits the power of All for One, which is the evil side. And um, that is why this episode is named that. There was no episode synopsis. Not sure why. Crunchyroll does that from time to time. Um, But the episode starts off, we get to see hawks flying in the air. His quirk, again, is fierce wings. He flies through the sky, which I noted, he doesn't really even use his wings like a normal bird would he kind of just floats like he had his hands in his pocket while he was just shifting around so he uses his wings to fly but it kind of seems like he also doesn't so i don't really know how that makes sense but i'm sure somebody out there knows what i'm talking about he doesn't have to flap the whole time he just kind of keeps him out and he moves around i guess like a normal bird then we get a a monologue from tokoyami aka dark shadow my teacher hawks He flies in the sky with his big wings, and he can freely control the countless hard, supple feathers. Of course, they can be used to transport those who need aid in in an emergency, but he can also use them as weapons. He can sense vibrations with his feathers and collect sounds and perceive space with them. 
He loses a large number, if he loses a large number of feathers, his flying becomes unstable, but they grow back in a few days. Speed, power, precision. And they said it in English, but a Japanese accent. It was like, speedo, power, precision. Information gathering as well. In terms of quirk versatility, Hawks is top class. Even among pro heroes, I thought he had no blind spots. But, so then we get a flashback of Hawks explaining to Tokoyami, because if you all recall, he was studying under him back when they had to do internships. And he explains to Tokoyami that if he had to have a weakness, it would be fire. And Tokoyami's like, well, how do you plan on overcoming that? That's a pretty big weakness, you know, with a lot of quirks out there like that. Hawks says, simply by getting to the enemy before they have a chance to burn his fierce wings. So I want to talk about this monologue at first because I think it's important, especially because last episode, Dobby pretty much burned up all of Hawks' wings. So one thing I, I want to talk about is the fact that his wings, they do grow, grow back in a few days. That's good to know. So basically a couple days of rest for this guy, he's going to have all of his feathers back. Because um, at first it seemed like, man, that's a huge crutch to like, have to grow back all of your feathers if you use them all but a few days is not bad at all another thing i didn't know that he could do is he can sense vibrations in space perceive space with them so basically they're almost like eyes and ears for him so anywhere he sends them he's present in some way he has sensation through these feathers so i thought that that was interesting it just made me love this character even more now we go over to fat gum and he is calling him He's referring to himself as Fat Taxi because he's carrying multiple people in his fat. And here are the four people that I was able to see he was carrying. He had Charge Bolt with him, Tokoyami, the Mushroom Girl, and then that other student. I cannot remember his name. But he was carrying them out of there because the young heroes were only brought in the first place because of their wide range attack power. And Fat Gum explains that since the battlefield is growing smaller now, there's really no point in them being there because their wide range attacks could actually end up hurting themselves instead of just the enemies. So he's getting them out of there. Then we get this little part of Tokoyami. He looks back and he sees one of the blue flames from Dobby. And he's like, no way. Could that be? And yes, it is. It could be. It is Dobby uh, fighting Hawks. And it seems like he's winning. But this is when the opening song plays. And again, it's a great opening song. Super Beaver, you killed it. So Hawks is alive. We confirmed this episode, but his wings are all burnt up. They're completely fried. He has zero feathers left, to my knowledge, or to the as a viewer, we're supposed to assume he has none left. Um, Dobby is pissed that Hawks killed twice. It was, this was a weird part because he's like, I can't believe you killed him. You killed him. But then Hawks is like, is that the face of someone whose friend ju was just killed? And Dobby is smiling. Maniacally, I'll add. He says, don't say that. It's mean. My tear glands were burned, so I can't cry. If twice were here, with his quirk, my dream would have had a better chance of coming true. Of course I'm sad. I'm really sad. We get a little internal monologue from Hawks, where he basically tells us that Dobby and Shigaraki were the only two in his entire undercover operation that he was never able to get any backstory on. He has no idea who they are, where they come from, 
they basically don't exist. But he's very curious to who Dobby is because Dobby knows his real name, which is Takami Kaigo. Then we get a little flashback of Hawks as a kid. And this was very interesting. So Hawks, as a kid, is told by these two suits that he's going to have to complete an exclusive program to turn himself into a special hero. But that part in itself is interesting. But what really stuck out to me is he was holding an Endeavor doll as a kid. So last arc, if you all recall, in the opening, I think it was the ending song actually, it was like all centered around Endeavor, this little doll of Endeavor in the street with like blood on it in a puddle. And now we see Hawks holding this doll and talking about how he wants to be just like that hero that saved him, aka Endeavor. So this is supposed to, you know, this is exciting as a watcher because you're kind of asking yourself, does Endeavor know that he saved Hawks as a kid? Is Hawks still just as obsessed with Endeavor as he was as a child? What is the special program that Hawks went to to become a special hero as a, as a kid? And who the heck is Dobby and how the heck does he know his name? And again, you've heard my theories about who Dobby probably is. Um, I do not read the manga, but he has a fire quirk so does endeavor and his whole family so kind of thinking maybe he's related to endeavor somehow we'll see but that was very interesting he's holding the endeavor doll and just goes to show how much older endeavor is than hawks hawks must be like i think we talked about it on former podcasts he might only be like 22 years old or something hawks asks who the heck are you? And Dobby words something to Hawks. But we don't get to hear what he says. And of course, since it's anime, we really can't make out the lips of to what he's saying. If this was a real a live action, then we'd be able to make out and lip read what he possibly said to him. But we're not supposed to know. And then he goes on to tell something very shocking, which is that, well, I'll just read what he says. Dobby says, even more than twice, more than the league, you should have been marking me. The League, Shigaraki. I didn't care about them from the start. The world can change because of a single obsession of just one person. There are no such things as real heroes in this world. Kill the fakes. That's right. I am the one who will carry out Stain's will. So Stain is a season... I think he's a season one villain. And I had no, no idea that he would be brought back into this. But here he is. So Dobby, whether this is real or not, I don't know how I feel about this. So Dobby doesn't care about anything other than killing real, killing the fakes and fighting the real heroes. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if that's, I feel like it takes away from the depth of who Dobby is. I kind of just wanted him to be on a, a vengeful pact of his own, but it sounds like he just fell victim to the the craziness of Stain and what he was trying to do. But I don't know. I, I wish I had my brothers with me on this episode to talk about how they felt about it. And I'm curious how all of, all of our listeners feel about this too. Part of me feels like he's just bullshitting because he worded something quietly to Hawks before he went on and said all this. And it had to have been shocking because they, gov they gave us a close-up of Hawks' face and his eyes, you know, did that thing where he was shocked, visibly shocked at what he'd heard. 
But let's move on to Endeavor and Mirko. They're both still fighting at fighting the Nomus at Jaku Hospital. Things are not really going well for Mirko, but Endeavor, he's running over to help Mirko with the high-end Nomus. And really the only reason he's getting through the Nomus so easily is, one, they're not high-end, and he has a racer head and a whole crew with him, where Mirko is fighting these three high-ends all on her own. That Nomu that Crust ran into like two or three episodes ago, he's still holding it off, and it's saying to him over and over again, can't kill me, can't kill me. Crust quickly informs Endeavor that their regeneration ability is trouble. The other guys say, we've sliced this thing up so many times, it just keeps coming back. And then this is when we get a cool part from Aizawa, aka Eraserhead. He does this like little wink thing. He's like, I'll take care of this. And he looks at it. The regeneration goes away, and they're able to finally slice it up with shields, and then Endeavor flash fire fists this thing. And I think that they kill it. I'm pretty sure they kill this one. Now we go over to Mirko, and she's still fighting the three high ends. She's doing her flips and all of her cool stuff. Her arm is still no longer an arm. It's all shriveled up, looking way worse than Deku's arms ever looked, in my opinion. Um, and she realizes in attacking them that she's no longer to la- she's no longer able to land a hit on them. And she has a little internal monologue, and she says, "I know my body better than anybody. It's not that I'm getting weaker." It's just that these Nomu have awakened. So they, they were woken up early by the doctor, and they were a little disoriented at first, but it seems like now they're really coming into their sentience and their consciousness. They're able to think for themselves, react, and they're learning as they fight. Uh, Mirko, she realizes that she can't win, even though she's having fun. She decides to just go on with her mission, which was to get the old man, Garaki, and Shigaraki. So she tries taking off, and the Nomu, these things are fast as hell. <laughs> they catch up to her, even though Mirko's fast as hell. They catch up to her, and one of them grabs them, grabs her by the hair, and I think the other one grabs her by the foot. And she just rips, she doesn't rip her leg off, thank goodness, but she gets away out of the foothold, and then rips her hair out to get away from the other one that was holding her by the hair. So the determination from Mirko over this... The few episodes of this season, they keep showing us her resolve. This girl is crazy intense. Easily one of my favorite characters they've ever shown us in this show. I mean, just definitely, by definition, what a hero should be. She's, you can tell she's as good as it gets. Very just, has fun doing it, is willing to lay her life on the line. Um, She runs into the room and she sees Doctor and Shigaraki. And there was this part where... I think she would have gone for the doctor first because he's clearly easier to kill. He's helpless. He doesn't have a quirk until we find out later in the episode he does. But she had this rabbit instinct that she needed to take out Shigaraki first. He, he's a monster, and so she goes for him, throws her leg up in the air, and she's going to do that heel smash that all anime does that really people can't pull off in real life because you just hyperextend your knee. You wouldn't want that. Don't don't go hyperextending your knees. That that would hurt. But before she does, a Nomu stabs right through her, her leg. I, if I recall, it goes right through her calf. So she's beat up at this point. But she doesn't give up. She says, it's not enough. I'm almost there. Or something along those lines. And at this point, 
It was looking very dark for Mirko, but Endeavor shows up and he flash fire fist smashes that Nomu that had the tentacle stabbed through Mirko into the ground with Eraserhead's help. And this is the part where, in the episode, where it really just became action-packed for about four minutes. I can't talk about all of it, but from what I recall, if Aizawa were not there, all of these heroes would likely be killed. Not only because of their quirks, but mainly their regeneration. You just can't kill them. So the downside, the great thing about Aizawa being there is that they can kill these things if he is looking at them, but he, there's only one of them. He can't look at all of them at once. And the scary thing is that the woman Nomu, she starts putting the pieces together. So as I mentioned earlier, these things have been awake for a while now. I say a while, maybe like 20 minutes. And she starts putting together that it has to be Aizawa that has the quirk that's keeping them from using their abilities. And she comes to the conclusion that he's hiding his eyes, so he must, be, have, to, he must have to look at us to activate it. So she starts running away from him. She figures it out fast, which is, it's one thing to fight a mindless, powerful Nomu, but to fight one that can think and understand other people's abilities, that's a whole nother threat level. So this was the point in the episode where I started to worry a little bit for Aizawa because for them to win, they know that they're going to have to take him out. But man, I don't know if, I don't know if they can do it. Killing Aizawa would really that would that would really upset me. Like I'm I'm okay for for some deaths and some high stakes, but shit, he's one of those characters I've pretty much after meeting him in season one. I'm thinking there's no way they can get rid of this character. He's he's too cool. But maybe they'll go there. We'll find out. Mirko, she finally cracks open the the tank that Shigaraki's in with a headbutt after kicking it several times and taking multiple stabs to get to it. She cracks it open, but it doesn't burst open right away. It's just leaking now. And then, right after she does it, she gets blown back into Endeavor after getting hit by the Nomu. And Endeavor's like, holy shit. You've been fighting these three high-end Nomus all by yourself. I need to cauterize your wounds. As for the pain, you'll have to bear it. Eraserhead is having an internal, internal dilemma. Because he needs to help the others with the Nomus, but he can't stop erasing the power of the one that he currently has locked up, because then he'll die. So he decides to send Mike, his friend, who's the, the DJ, the guy that screams, and X-Less. I'm not sure what X-Less does, and maybe that's good because I feel like he's going to die. Um, so they run in, they see the doctor, they see Shigaraki in the tank. And the first thing Mike does, which was a smart move, is he screams and he bursts the tank open and it destroys all the machines. And so this was the first time where I've really felt like this Mike hero actually has a pretty cool power. It would suck to, to have that power, but for the sake of just having a guy like that on your team, the wide range attack power, the ability to destroy anything in its sound wave path, pretty cool. It came in touch here, or it came in clutch here. Mike, he punches the doctor, and he says it's for making his friend cry. Now, that was the part I didn't know if he was talking about for making Aizawa cry or making Kudogiri, their friend with blue hair, cry. I'm a little confused about that part. Either way, he punches him, and it felt good. 
they see that Shigaraki, he's basically just an unanimated body, a shell. He's not awake. His heart stopped. So you could you would assume normally when you're not a viewer, if you're in the moment, like we're good, let's get this doctor back over to the Hayanomus and have him order them to stop because they do follow his instructions to an extent. Because I do remember a couple episodes ago, he said that they follow his instructions, but they also, their personalities come into play, their morality. And at the end of the day, these high-end nomus are free thinkers and they will make their own decisions. So even if the doctor goes back in there, I don't necessarily think, even with an order, that they would stop. We'll see, though. Uh, Mike leaves X-Less with Shigaraki. And this guy's... <laughs> I mean, if this guy makes it through next episode, I will be shocked. X-Less... I mean, we don't even know what his power is. If anybody does, it's got to be because you read the manga. The doctor goes on a monologue explaining that his quirk is called Life Force, which gives him the ability to live twice as long as the average person. He also explains that whenever they killed their friend or captured their friend, Kurogiri, and I, forgive me, I do not recall what his quirk is. He explains that they were actually after Aizawa and they wanted the Eraser quirk. And it is a good thing that they didn't get their hands on that because Eraser is, I mean, this quirk is overpowered as hell. <laughs> and having every single one of your Nomu have the power to turn off all the powers of people they're fighting would be, I mean, there would be no story. There'd be no manga. <laughs> they would probably beat all the heroes. Now we go over to some kind of void where Shigaraki's unconscious self, or I guess his conscious self is. And it's, it's all white in the background, then there's floating debris, and then as you kind of zoom out, you see that they're actually hands. They're hands everywhere. And this is the symbolic nature of the hands of his family that he kept to remind him of, I guess, his destructive power. I don't know what, why he would keep the hands of all of his dead family. Who knows? But he sees his sister Hannah, or Hannah, and everybody needs to remember because I, I had to go back and look this up. She was All Might's mentor. I don't remember her hero name. I don't remember her quirk. But that was Shigaraki's, aka they called him Tenko. That was his older sister. His mom shows up and asks him, Hey Tenko, do you still want to be a hero? And then she says, We don't know what you're allergic to. It sucks, huh? And then young Shigaraki, looking not... He changes from the white-haired older version back to his kid innocent self and he says I'm fine now mom. And I totally forgot that he had all of these allergies and he was itchy and that's why his skin is looks the way it does and his lips look the way it does. I forget about his sad backstory. But I was reminded in that one question. Um then the dad shows up, he's yelling at him. He says, "Tenko, you went in my study again, didn't you?" And then we go back to Shigaraki and now he is still the kid version of himself, but his hair is a little bit of a different color, and he's evil looking again. And his dad's like reaching for him, and Shigaraki holds his hands out and meets his dad's hand and turns him into stone and shatters him. He crumbles using his destruct power of destructiveness. This is when All for One shows up, and all he says is Tomura. Shigaraki says, Master, you look like Kurogiri now. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, Kudogiri, because that was, I thought that that was the friend of Aizawa and 
the DJ Mike guy. I don't know. I'll have to look more into that, but that's what he says. Master, you look like Kudo Geary now. And All for One says, come here. We go back to the doctor. He says, anticipating his defeat, and again, he's talking about All for One. Anticipating his defeat, he entrusted everything to his successor. He decided to pass his quirk on to him, just like me. He kept a duplicate of his own quirk and gave the original to Tomura Shigaraki. So I think from that, we're supposed to assume that All for One is still alive in the capacity of a duplicated quirk of All for One in maybe somebody else's body, maybe Kudogiri. Maybe that's what Shigaraki meant when he said, Master, you look like Kudogiri, which is the blue-haired friend of Aizawa and Mike. I don't know. That's the best I can come up with. That would be crazy because they did show us <laughs> the freaking no-eyed, bald, smiling all-for-one who's creepy as hell hooked up to some, some gas. Shigaraki, he's approaching all-for-one. His entire family, however, reaches out and tries to stop him. And this is when the older sister, Hannah, she tells him, don't forget. Then we get a flashback because I'm like, what the hell? Are we supposed to remember this? Like, what does she mean? Don't forget. I'm really glad that they showed. They actually told us what not to forget. When they were kids, she said, let's keep it a secret from dad and become sibling heroes. I don't remember why, but I guess the dad was against them becoming heroes. But that's what she says to him. Don't forget. Let's keep it a secret from dad and become sibling heroes. But then the sad thing is, is he ends up destroying all of them with his power, shows no emotion doing it, and continues the same pace he had in the beginning toward All all for One. He walks into All for One, literally, disappears, and then you hear a voice say, don't reject me anymore. Now we're back to the real world. We have left that void, unconscious self. And the body of Shigaraki wakes up because of a little electricity underneath him. And we hear it again. Don't reject me anymore. His eyes open. They're red. Ending song plays. Now, the don't reject me anymore, this, this is where it gets a little confusing for me because he willingly, he clearly willingly chose to walk into one for all. All for one, sorry. But then I think when he did it, all for one consumed his body and is now using his body as a vessel. That's my interpretation of what's going on here. I could be way off and this is just Shigaraki that now has all for one's powers along with his power of destruction. I'm not sure. Um, the ending song, again, we've talked about it every week. There's a lot of parallels going on between Deku and Shigaraki. And I'm telling everybody, you got to keep your eye out for this handkerchief that uh, Toga, the girl that has the blood needles, um, gave to Twice before he died. I'm thinking that Twice is still alive. He keeps coming up. They're talking about him. Dobby wishes he wasn't dead. I think that he somehow merged his cells into a handkerchief or doubled himself into a handkerchief and maybe he's saving up strength and he's going to come back. Because we see a little... There's a scene of them in a church like they got married 
I doubt that they'll get married, but I hope Twice comes back. Part of me does. It doesn't feel like... I feel like they built him up too much for him to just be dead now. Um, hopefully he wakes up and chooses the side of good. But we don't know. Um, next week is episode four, and it's titled The Thrill of Destruction. And I watched the preview. I don't know if everybody does, but basically the heroes, they're winning. Everybody's still fighting the high-end Nomus, but they don't, they're not aware that the real threat has awakened, which is the symbol of evil, Shigaraki himself. Um, it's called the Thrill of Destruction, so I'm guessing that Shigaraki is going to be testing out his newfound powers. And it's going to be detrimental. This might be the turning point of the show where it turns into the heroes going into hiding instead of going to school. Maybe it'll be, yeah, like kind of like in Harry Potter where, you know, in the beginning they're going to school and even when bad stuff's happening, they still go to classes. But then in the Deathly Hollows part two, you know, school... Like, nobody gives a shit about school anymore. Like, we've got evil afoot. That's kind of what I feel like this show is going to. Shit's about to get real next episode. And all of the student heroes that are just support are going to have to become vital pieces in this chess match to bring down Shigaraki. And even more importantly, Deku, who inherited the power of One for All, is going to have to awaken some shit. Because he's still, to me, he still feels like he has a, such a long way to go. I don't know how many quirks he's supposed to come into with the power of one for all. But we haven't seen how master, how much he has mastered Black Whip since they introduced that last season. We, we still don't know where the hell Lemillion is, um, a.k.a. Mirio Togata. Does he have his quirk back? I can't think of anybody else. We, I mean, clearly Bakugo, a.k.a. Kachan, he's going to be strong. Uh, Shoto Todoroki, he's going to be strong. They've all grown. I just wonder how much they've grown. And I know it's going to all be meaningless unless Deku can really step it up. Maybe All Might will have to step in. I don't know what's going to happen here. Something's going to have to happen. Uh, Hawks. We didn't get to see if Hawks actually escaped Dobby before he burned him up because we went to a commercial break. But we got to see what happens with Hawks and Dobby. All the while, we're wondering who the hell Dobby is. Did he go to this special hero um, program with Hawks and Hawks just doesn't remember him? There's a lot to break down in this show. And I'm already itching to hear next or see next week's episode. But that is all that I have for today. Thank you, everybody, for patiently listening on this episode. It was very strange doing a, a solo cast. I know a lot of people do it. I could do it again. I prefer to have my brothers on with me and give all of our listeners a conversation-style podcast. But next week, expect uh, episode four titled The Thrill of Destruction. And also be sure to watch and stay updated on Chainsaw Man. We are also doing weekly coverage on Chainsaw Man and releasing those episodes on either Tuesdays or Wednesdays of every week. So be sure to tune into both. But again, I'm Jordo. Usually I have the Evans Bros. But thank you all for listening. Have a great week. And as always, peace out. <laughs>